We're in Paris, in the midst of a furious mob gathered outside the Bastille prison. It's the 14th of July, 1789, and these extremely angry people, some of them armed with makeshift weapons, are about to storm the prison in protest against the monarchy. They've just managed to breach the outer defences and are now entering the Bastille. We could follow them inside, but we won't. Now we're changing route. Now we're in the year 79 AD and find ourselves in southern Italy, in the Roman city of Pompeii at the foot of Mount Vesuvius. It's the middle of the night and this prosperous city is on the verge of disappearing forever, buried in volcanic ash. Come with me, let's change rooms again. We're still in Italy, but many centuries later. It's 1633. We're witnessing the astronomer Galileo Galilei being tried by the Catholic Inquisition for claiming our planet orbits the sun and not the other way around. Le è stato ordinato di ritirare questa dottrina eretica. Mi ritiro, ma essa si muove. Spoiler alert, Galileo is going to be found guilty of heresy and placed under house arrest for the remainder of his life. But let's allow history to continue its course while I explain what we're doing. These moments from Europe's history that we're jumping between are all different metaverses, a topic we'll immerse ourselves in on this episode. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Euronews Tech Talks, the podcast delving into the pivotal factors shaping Europe's digital landscape. I'm James Thomas, your host and Metaverse travel companion. Have you already chosen an avatar? Mine's very different from my actual self. This is Jambino the Blue Elf. In the Metaverse, the only limits for your avatars are your imagination, so you can feel free to mentally design yours as you wish. In the upcoming three episodes, my team and our avatars will try to understand the metaverse. What is it? How is it impacting the real world? And who is spending time there? Okay, estamos jugando a Roblox. You're listening to our producer, Marta, entering a metaverse for the first time. She is hand-in-hand with her 13-year-old nephew, Leonida. He is teaching her how to play Roblox. It's a popular online platform that allows users to create, share and play games created by other users. 
Leonida meets some of his real-world friends in Roblox, but he also has friends he's never met in real life. Okay, let's start. Roblox has a vast user-generated content library, and it's also considered a metaverse. But what does the word metaverse even mean? Daniel D. Bryant, a VR educator and founder of Collaborative Realities based in Wales, the UK, explained it to us. A virtual space that you can access with different devices. So you can access it with a computer, a laptop, a smartphone. In fact, Leonida and Marta are accessing Roblox from a mobile phone. In Roblox, players can interact in a variety of virtual worlds, from adopting and trading pets in Adopt Me, to solving crimes in Murder Mystery 2, or exploring an eerie world called Dark. You can interact with the space. You can move around the space via avatars. So avatars are digital representations that you can customize. They can look very lifelike or they can look very abstract or cartoony. Leonida's avatar is called something similar to Dark Angel. It doesn't look very human. You can move from one area of the metaverse freely to another area of the metaverse. So that would be called the open or traversable metaverse. And Leonida's avatar can go from world to world, from adopt me to dark, as if they were rooms. And then companies might have kind of closed areas of the metaverse that is only for their company or only for their clients. Now, in the world of Roblox, gamers are trading in Robux, which is like the cash of this metaverse. You score Robux mostly by forking out some real-world money. Take Leonida's friend, for example. She used her Robux stash to get a personalised item for her avatar, a cute little ghost that follows her avatar like a pet. You will be able to do transactions in the metaverse, and that ownership will be regulated or tracked by something called the blockchain. So, yeah, it all clicks into place. Our producer is deep in a metaverse, but is it the metaverse? You're listening to the 2018 Steven Spielberg movie, Ready Player One. This is the Oasis. It's a place where the limits of reality are your own imagination. It's set in a dystopian future where people escape their grim reality by immersing themselves in a virtual world called the Oasis. You can ski down the pyramids, you can climb Mount Everest with Batman. Check out this place. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do, but they stay because of all the things they can be. Tall, beautiful... The story follows Wade Watts, a young gamer on a quest to solve a series of challenges within the Oasis. But Wade Watts is describing the metaverse, an advanced version that is only science fiction so far. Except for eating, sleeping, and bathroom breaks, whatever people want to do, they do it in the Oasis. And since everyone is here, this is where we meet each other. It's where we make friends. Locate H. Locating H. Nowadays, if we surf in the web, we have the possibility to 
to go from one website to the other thanks to the use of hyperlinks. If we would have a metaverse, it would be possible for us to go from one virtual world to another by using, let's call it, a gate, a virtual gate. This is Aurelio Lopez Tarueya, the director of the chair for the responsible development of the metaverse at the University of Alicante, Spain. Using his metaphor, Roblox would only be a website, but not the whole internet. We have to be very careful with the definitions because we found definitions that talk about the metaverse, but they are imagining how the metaverse will be in the future. But we don't know when that future will arrive. Aurelio mentions that the European Commission describes the metaverse within the definition of Web4. They include all the technologies that facilitates the blurring between the digital and the physical world, which includes VR or AR. So they also incorporate technologies like blockchain and artificial intelligence to facilitate administration and governance within these virtual worlds. But none of this has achieved the metaverse yet. We have this ocean. And in the ocean, there are islands. And the islands are the individual metaverses like Roblox, like Minecraft. They're separated. You can't get from one to the other. And as more and more islands appear and get bigger, because they have more users using them, it starts to be easier to get from one place to another. And maybe the islands start forming different continents. And and when we have some really big continents that is easy to travel around and to and from, that's what I would call the metaverse. The true metaverse isn't here yet, but it's not new either. The term was coined in 1992 by science fiction writer Neil Stevenson in his cyberpunk novel Snow Crash. In Snow Crash, the metaverse is a virtual reality-based digital world where users can interact, socialise and conduct business, similar to contemporary virtual worlds, but with a more immersive and dystopian twist. Professor of Anthropology Tom Burlstorff from the University of California, Irvine, argues that virtual worlds predate digitalization, emphasizing that they constitute independent places. In The Conversation, he wrote, telephone calls don't take place in your phone or in the other person's phone, they take place in a virtual environment. Academics concur that the clearest predecessor of the metaverses we have today is Second Life. We are walking into a work of art created by the people who live there. Second Life is an online virtual world launched in 2003 where users create avatars and interact with others in a vast digital landscape. It gained popularity as a pioneering example of a metaverse before the term became widely recognized. We have the ability to communicate in a way that is very liberating. And then, almost two decades later, Mark Zuckerberg, the mind behind Facebook, decided to speed up the metaverse's arrival with a major announcement. I believe the metaverse is the next chapter for the internet. 
In 2021, Zuckerberg changed the name of his company to Meta in a move to push the development of virtual and augmented reality technology. But things haven't moved as expected. The development is somewhat slow. On the one hand, the pandemic accelerated the need for virtual communication. But on the other hand, it wasn't able to go beyond 2D virtual video conferencing in any real meaningful way. People got tired of video conferencing. The experience of immersive virtual reality, so with a virtual reality headset, that gave a new dimension of experience during the pandemic. But the problem was institutions like work and uh, schools if they had been interested in virtual reality before the pandemic, during the pandemic, they didn't really have time to think about virtual reality. If the growth of the metaverse is stunted, who's using it these days? I would say young people, the next generation. They are much more prepared for this kind of experiences of, of visiting virtual worlds. That's maybe because so many young people are also gamers. The reason it may not have crossed over yet is because the metaverse experience outside of gaming just isn't there yet. Here's Daniel Bryant again. Gamers are self-motivated, but employees, to get the employees into the metaverse, they need a reason. If the metaverse doesn't deliver meaningful experiences, then... I'm not interested. So games are a great entry to deliver meaningful experiences. And then comes the question of wearing VR headsets. Not mandatory, but a significant part of the experience. Accessing the metaverse on a 2D computer is a very diminished experience. In a VR headset, I'm, I'm much more immersed. I'm much more involved and engaged in what's happening it's a different memory, it's a different experience, it's a different interaction. Cost has been an issue in accessing VR headsets, but that might be changing. My mobile phone probably costs £400, and my VR headset costs £350. I don't think it's so much a matter of cost anymore. I think the difference is that it's an extra device at the moment. But could it go from being just an add-on to something you can't do without? So when all of your friends and your colleagues and your family are in the metaverse and you aren't, and everybody's talking about it and saying, oh, wow, did you see this? Did you do that? Then you think, well, I'm missing out. I should join. And once you're in the metaverse, well, you can be anyone. One thing that may attract me of the metaverse is the fact that I can be someone else. I can be a woman or I can even be a, a horse. But the idea of existing as avatars creates its own set of legal conundrums. One of the main questions refers to the, let's say, who's liable for the actions committed by avatars in virtual worlds. One may say this is not a problem because in the end of the day behind an avatar you have a human 
yeah, that's true. But another issue that is quite important refers to the use of artificial intelligence. This issue of AI-controlled avatars is a question the EU Digital Act is trying to solve. There is the possibility in some metaverses that once you abandon the virtual world, your avatar will still be there and will still interact with other users. And that avatar will act thanks to artificial intelligence tools that are trained thanks to your previous behavior, thanks to your behavior when you are connected in that metaverse. What about if this AI-powered avatar commits, let's say, a crime or harassment in a metaverse? Who is responsible? Aside from ethical questions surrounding the metaverse, there's an economic perspective to consider. There is already an industry that is being created surrounding metaverse-related technologies. There are many and many companies that have some pilot projects on that. For the fashion industry, it is extremely interesting how a new sector is developing the creation of digital custom for my avatars, the possibility that it gives you to try on some clothes. Let's go back to the beginning of the episode. I took you on an immersive tour of three crucial episodes of European history. Instead of that, I could have said, in 1789, the storming of the Bastille marked the beginning of the French Revolution. The disappearance of Pompeii happened on the 24th of August, 79 AD, due to the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. And the trial of Galileo Galilei marked a historic clash between scientific inquiry and religious orthodoxy in the early 17th century. Would you have remembered it the same way? The ultimate promise, I think, is experiential learning. The real advantage is not that it will replace conventional, traditional, existing learning methods like books and YouTube. YouTube is amazing. Books are fantastic. I love books. But it will be able to add a layer of content and a layer of experience in certain situations where you just can't do it with a book or with a video or with a real lesson. Imagine this wasn't only audio and a group of students with their avatars could have followed the French revolutionaries or Galileo Galilei and talked to them. I spent 20 years in education and I would have wanted to take my, my students and also my son to the places that we're talking about. Much of the learning we do is on a screen or on a textbook which is 2D. And unless you're in a classroom with models and actual things or on location, you're learning in two dimensions, very abstract, when our brains and minds are really evolutionarily designed for spatial three-dimensional learning. With some of these simulations and some of the content already available, you can take people convincingly to these situations, these locations, and give them a much richer exposure and interaction and understanding of those places and those times and those situations. The promise of the metaverse doesn't end with ultra-realistic history classes. Surgeons, soldiers, artists are all being trained in metaverses. We'll see all of that in the upcoming episodes. You see, the beauty of the promise of the metaverse lies in this one simple truth. The only limit 
is your imagination. I'm your host, James Thomas. This series is written and produced by Marta Rodriguez-Martinez. Our script editor is Dennis Funk. The theme music is by Leo Lebrun. Sound editing is by Naira Devlashian and sound mixing is by Mathieu Duchesne. Our editor-in-chief is Ali Isan Aydin. If you aren't already, you can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a positive review and, of course, sharing it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.